Hey, hey, Cubs fans, and welcome to this off-season edition of Cubs on Tap. I am your host for this evening, Ron Luce. We will be diving into some off-season burning questions is going to be the theme of tonight's episode. And I'm joined by two very, very good friends of mine, great, great co-hosts as well. Uh, a name that you've heard a lot of this season and uh, one that we're excited to get back in full swing now that he's got his life a little settled with a new job and everything. Brian Mishler and the Juice Man himself. Guys, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing well. Just trying to get back on the mic and talk about some ever-pressing Cubs news and speculating on a whole bunch of different things. So I'm excited. It's going to be a big off season and a great show for us tonight. Absolutely. Yeah, Juice same here, guys. Uh, as Juice, Juice Man back. Uh, just a heads up for anybody, I didn't die. I know the Cubs tried to kill me <laughs> this last season, but um, hopefully, just like my life is finally together, the Cubs offseason will progress and we will be getting together just as much as as we can as, as my life is now settled and ready. Let's hope that the Theo and company have a plan, and, and, and we're going to dive into a lot of the things in this, uh, this podcast that I think Brian and Ron and myself uh, – saw last year and some things that we can you know improve on going into this year i think uh there's a lot of different scenarios that could happen and we're going to try to cover them all but i, I think the cool thing about this show for at least this offseason edition is the three of us may come up with a scenario now that is totally different you know 48 hours from now because the cubs may have hired a manager but looking at uh what's going on with the offseason i just i i want all of our listeners to uh Take a deep breath and just we have deal with the helm and let's uh, let's see what's going on with uh, you know the manager situation. Everything's going to work itself out, but this is going to be a fun episode because I think uh, opinions on the three of us we we watched all last year. We almost really got you know caught up in the same same rut. It's never got it never got good. And uh, let's just uh, let's just talk it out. You know I think these are the best podcasts when we can be opinionated, kind of say how we felt about last year, and then round it out how they improve it. Yeah, 100%. And just to remind our listeners, so tonight, the purpose of this episode, uh, as Juice mentioned, as, as Brian mentioned, you know, it's off season now. Obviously, I think the, the Cubs collapse is well documented uh, and what happened. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to go off on a couple of, of side rants about that and how that kind of ties into the topics that, um, you know, are really kind of prevalent this off season. And so, uh, we're just here tonight. We're here to discuss some burning questions. Uh, as Juice alluded to, the managerial search has been about 85% of the Cubs media coverage to this point in the offseason. Uh, the World Series does start on this Tuesday evening that we are recording this. So um, we're almost there officially to the offseason as either the Nationals or the Astros will be crowned World Series champions. And, uh, you know, so we're going to talk a little bit about manager. We're going to talk um, maybe what's more important to this team, maybe, you know, getting free agency right or the manager right, kind of on, the, on that topic. Uh, some off-season player wish lists. I know I think all of us are going to have a similar group of players, but maybe different rankings of where we'd like them on our lists. Uh, and then we're going to maybe talk about some, you know, potential trades, maybe players that we think will be traded, could be traded, maybe if it's we get really opinionated, should be traded. Um and then we'll get out of here before all that with some closing thoughts and and uh, let you guys digest what has been talked about. But first, let's get right into it then. So uh, kind of the topic that we all agreed upon in our little notes is familiarity versus Sabermetrics, Ross versus Espada, who should the Cubs hire? So 
uh, you know, Brian, I, I want to let you start with this one. Uh, you've been kind of all out and about without with the manager search. You were very opinionated on Madden throughout the season. So, you know, what is kind of your thoughts on some of the, you know, sabermetrics versus familiarity? And really right now, which is boiling down to, is it going to be David Ross or is it going to be Houston bench coach Espada uh, as the next Cubs manager? Yeah, I'm. I, it, that's what it sounds like it's going to be. It's going to be Ross or Espada. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that it seems like they just ruled off ruled out ruled out Girardi so quick. I don't know obviously how well these interviews went, but it sounds like it is between Ross and Espada. So something must have gone wrong. A lot of it might be because that Girardi's going to do what he wants to do and he will not be just a puppet based off of what Theo and Jet are saying. So that probably might had might have had some hesitancies for Theo to get Girardi as the manager. And also, he has recently, in the in past, he was honestly fired from New York, the Yankees, for this reason. He has some communication issues, so maybe that's why. But yeah, I really think they should go with Espada because I think he's just better qualified. He was a special assistant under Brian Cashman of the Yankees, third base coach for the Yankees for a couple years, now the bench coach for the for the Astros, the best team in baseball for the past two years. And I think he's got some really good information and intel from the Astros, and they're doing something on an organizational level that just other teams are not doing or mirroring. So I really think getting some of that intel from the rosters will be great, and it sounds like he's a little bit both of a a strategist and an analytics guy. So it's not like he's just going to be a pure numbers guy. And like the Cubs said, like Theo said in his presser to end the season, I think he's, they really need to change a culture and they really can't go with the familiar, familiar voice and Ross. I understand they miss him from the 2016 and 2017 teams and 2015 teams a lot with his leadership, but I really think an external voice is the best. I really don't want to keep rationalizing decisions based off of what happened in 2016 and thinking that Ross is the answer because they won a World Series when he was in the dugout in 2016. I think that's a horrible way to look at this, and I really think they should go with Joe Espada. Juice, I want to hear your thoughts as well. I think that's a great argument from Brian, um, and we'll kind of open up the forum a little bit once everybody's given their opinions. But Juice, go ahead. What is your opinion on the managerial search? Yeah, I, as as I've watched this whole thing develop and taking last season as a whole, I've come to the conclusion that I, I just I look at this as what is, and I know this is kind of jumping the gun at it because I know this question was already brought up in the pre-show, but what is more important to this this team, the new head manager, or is it the fact that the parts in the lineup and the parts via the starting rotation, the bullpen, just don't work? You know, when you look at construction of baseball, the Cubs, in a sense, have been very much behind in terms of the sabermetric side of it, and that's why I, I like Joe Espada. But with the sense of, do the Cubs realistically internally think that the problem was maybe strategic in terms of things that Joe Madden was doing? Do they think that, you know, a lot of teams, and we mentioned this throughout a lot of the, uh, the podcasts on Cubs on Tap of last year, you know, the Cubs did a lot of good things well last year throughout the bad that we watched the whole year. I mean, there was a stretch where they hit really well. There was a stretch where they pitched really well. The bullpen was good in spurts. It's a matter of bringing those 
three things together to, to create a well-oiled machine. And that's what they did in 2016. My point to it is, is, is David Ross the difference that brings that in? And is that the problem? Was that the problem with the team last year? Because realistically, we're going to go over guys that we should think we, they should trade. But it's not going to be a full what farm, you know, they're not selling the, the farm off to, you know, everybody else and, and rebuilding the whole roster. You know, they're going to retool. They're going to move, you know, a piece or here, there, over, and, and they're going to try to get better that way. You know, the core of this team is still going to be close to the same minus, you know, if they trade like a Chris Bryant. But looking at the lineup as a whole, I do think that a lot of the same guys will still be back. And realistically, with the rotation, I think that that's kind of where they need to move to look at. But I do like that Joe Espada talk because when it looks at when you look at Houston, he was the front office runner back and forth between the dugout and the front office. And if Theo really truly believes, and he said in this presser that they kind of got behind in terms of evaluating saver metrics and being ahead of the game, and obviously they just hired um, a, a pitching and a hitting development um, czar, pretty much when you look at it. If Espada is that guy that sits in there to be the bridge from the dugout to the front office, then it needs to be that move with, in regards to if it's, if it's going to be David Ross, it's a manage. It's, it's a matter of, they think that the pieces they have in house minus a few little tweaks and turns are going to be enough to get them back. And they're hoping that with a healthy run of this team next year, that they can get back where they were. I don't know if I believe in that. I do like the Joe Espada move as well. He's been my one, my top guy underneath Ross. Um, or with Ross underneath him, I just I look at this team and you look at these two guys that are these two teams that are in the playoffs right now, and spin rates and in regards to pitching, it just seems like the Cubs really fell behind in developing it, and Houston's been damn good at it. And you look at the guys that they just didn't miss a lot of bats this year, and they didn't hit with runners in scoring position, and they they really struggled at the plate strategically. So my hope is is that Espada comes in, he's got a lot of information, and that's the move that they make. So I agree with you, Mishler. I, I just, you have to look at both sides of this as what was the problem, identify the problem, and then the manager can help direct you in that way. And I think the more pressing issue is how far they fall behind with, with all their metrics and, and being behind the game of baseball in general. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a good point and something I never really thought of because if – Theo truly believes they're behind in terms of analytics. You actually cannot hire David Ross because he brings absolutely nothing new to the table and nothing new to the room. Whereas if you bring in a spot, like you're saying, what the Astros are doing with their pitching development is, is incredible. I mean, yes, Verlander and Cole were good pitchers before they came to Houston, but what they're doing in Houston is just ridiculous compared to their uh, compared to what they were doing directly before i mean verlander was on the close to retire close to retiring he even publicly stated it and now he's put together just an incredible two and a half year run so i agree with you they need some spin rate stuff and what you said about the cubs pitchers not missing bats is absolutely true they just especially with their bullpen they had no buddy that could strike somebody out i guess rowan wick would be the one guy but they just they just need to uh, they really need to retool based off of analytics, like you were saying, and I think Espada is the best guy. I, I originally thought that maybe a culture change is more important than an analytics or roster change, but I think that 
based off what you said, I don't know if it's true. I really do believe Joe Madden's voice got old, and they do need to change the culture. But, I mean, culture matters. But if you don't have the right tools in the box, for lack of a better hypothetical, there's just really nothing the roster can do. They were last in the MLB in contact rate. And, I mean, that's why their offense was so sporadic, because what's sustainable is contact rate, not slugging percentage. So, like you said, a spot is the correct call, but I mean, I'm really worried that Theo might be listening to the wrong guys. And I mean, who am I to say that basically? Because he's a Hall of Fame president. But I mean, what else can you say at this point if they hire David Ross? Because if it wasn't for him being a consultant for the past two years to the organization, I don't think he would even be in consideration. Because I do think if they hire David Ross, Theo and Jed think they can essentially tell him how to manage the lineup and Ross will just be the culture guy and then that'll be it. Yeah, and uh, no, I think you've both brought up a ton of great points, so I'm not going to you know beat a dead horse by any means. But, um, you know, I kind of like what you guys said about, you know, and, and both of you really touched on this, right, of like that. Sabermetrics versus really it kind of what the, the the concept we began with really does tie in and fits well. Does this team value Sabermetrics as much as we think they probably did maybe once upon a time when Theo and Jed were back in Boston? And, you know, being kind of ahead of that curve and, you know, there, there was talk of how, you know, Theo had some of that Billy Bean-ish in him earlier than most people did. And so, you know, are they going to get back to that? Or, you know, they've kind of already taken that step, as you mentioned, with, you know, the hiring of like the czars. I think that's a really good term for it, but for pitching and hitting. And, you know, it has that sabermetric feel, I guess, to it, the way they've structured their front office. So, you know, it really is going to come down. I mean, they, they did mention that Espada really blew them away and impressed them. And I think if they were so sold on David Ross, the announcement probably would have happened by now. But that being said, they also gave Ross the second interview was the report that kind of surfaced today. So I, I think they're, I give them the credit that they're doing their due diligence. But I am very curious to see how, you know, to your point with culture versus sabermetrics. And I think, you know, I think Joe Spada can come in and still bring a culture change with him, you know, especially coming from such a winning organization with the Astros. You know, he's been there and arguably their most successful run in franchise history over the last three years, you know, being, you know, a couple outs away from the world, you know, a game or so away from the World Series in in uh, uh, last year. And then, you know, obviously being back there this year after winning it in 17. So, a question I kind of want to propose to you guys, and it goes right along with the whole managerial thing. And I think, you know, Brian, your comment kind of made me really want to bring this up is, you know, you mentioned, you know, if Ross is hired, he kind of becomes almost a puppet of the front office. You know, they can tell him how to run the the, the lineup, run the team kind of in a way of like, hey, we built this team to be successful in this way, run it that way. I'm curious to think, hear what you guys think about Steve Stone's thoughts, and I'm not sure if you guys saw them on Twitter. But Steve Stone brought up the idea of having a two-manager system. And again, I, I'm not implying it works or it would work. I'm, I'm legitimately curious, though, to hear what you guys think because his argument was, you know, there's a lot of managers who are really good from the end of the game 
to the beginning of the next game. So what he means, obviously, by that, for those that can't interpret, I know you guys can, he's a good clubhouse guy, kind of that David Ross figure. You know, he is the culture guy. He really you know, can keep the guys together, the rah-rah, kind of really what Joe was really well known for. And then there's guys that really excel in the, you know, kind of the actual in-game management department. And I feel like those guys are like a Joe Girardi or, you know, guys like that, which... They don't necessarily have the same kind of off-the-field buddy-buddy reputation, but they're great, you know, from first pitch to last pitch. So do you guys think that something like that could ever work in the big leagues? And if it could, do you think two guys almost feel like they fit the stereotype perfectly in Espada and Ross be the type of guys that could do something like that? I'm not implying that's what they're going to do. But I just kind of want to, you know, again, getting ahead of, of you know, Theo and, and Jed wanting to kind of revolutionize and be ahead of everybody. Is that something that they could do potentially to get ahead? And, you know, just kind of what are your thoughts on the situation? Brian, we'll let you start first. Yeah, I mean, honestly, on the surface, that doesn't sound like a bad of an idea. But after thinking about it a little bit more, there's no I don't think there's any way any organization would pay that much money for two managers. And if they ask the two the two different managers to take a pay cut and split the salary that'll never happen if you're going to try to get actually big names and it also kind of destroys the whole concept of a bench coach so i really don't think it's ever practical although it is in theory something that could potentially work although idea i think like a culture issue could happen one guy preaching one thing another guy preaching another thing i mean for example, if you had a guy like Joe Madden and Joe Girardi in the same clubhouse managing the same team, I mean, that's just a completely different vibe from both guys, and I think it would end up butting heads in the long run. So I actually didn't know he brought that up, but I just like it's interesting thought, but just like after thinking about it for even like 45 seconds, I just don't think that would ever, ever be practical, both from a financial side and really a culture side. Yeah, I agree. Juice, what are your thoughts on that situation? You know, when you were talking about that, it was the first time that I had heard Steve uh, Stone's comments, but it kind of brought me back to the beginning of last season when it, news was coming out that Joe Madden was reading books on how to manage millennials. And I do think that there is some truth to the fact that some guys in, in our generation are more difficult to deal with than others. And maybe one voice doesn't always get to maybe one voice is able to connect with 10 guys in the locker room. The other is able to connect with, you know, the other 24, 25, you know, the other 15, you know what I mean? So my, my hope is, is that while you, Brian, you brought up a great point that, you know, in terms of the financials of all this, it'd be very tough to do, but throwing that all out the window, if, if a team were able to do it, I do think that with the way that, managing is going now with so much going on via you know mid game you know in game strategies and you're managing personalities obviously some of those get taken on by the bench coach but divvying up that work and having a guy who is able to pull people aside with with mo- like in terms of millennials with like guys like Chris Bryant who obviously we see that you know Chris doesn't show a lot of emotion but we understand the the hurt of, of that he goes through when he fails. You know, we, we see that on a national level because we've watched so many Cubs games and we understand too. To the actual, you know, non-Cub watcher, they probably look at Chris Bryant and say, well, he's just very stoic. He's a guy who doesn't show a lot of emotion. My, 
my thought on that is, is if that would, if they could technically work out the idea of uh, having two of those guys in there, maybe that's a way that half the locker room who just, let's just take a spot in Ross as one of them. Maybe half the locker room who was here in 2016 really lent, uh, leaned on David Ross in that time. Maybe the guys who didn't and need more of a hard-nosed guy, maybe a spot, it could be that guy for them. I don't know his temperament as well. I've never met the guy. I, I Obviously, I don't know much about, you know, Joe in general of his personality. But if he's a harder type of guy and he, he understands that, hey, David Ross is going to be the guy who pulls, you know, the 2016 team aside, pulls Anthony aside and is able to calm him down or is able to talk to Chris Bryant in different ways, or maybe, you know, guys like Nick Cassianos if he's brought back or, you know, like Ian Happ, a guy who maybe wasn't really – super integral to like the 2016 team needs a different voice and maybe maybe that's how that kind of works but like you said financially it'd be tough to do i think it's a good idea in theory and when you were talking about that like i said it just brought me back to you know joe reading books about managing millennials maybe that holds a little water maybe having a different voice is something that maybe one day we see it i just don't think that the cubs will be the first one to pull it and especially not this year yeah no, and I think, and I think that that leads to, I think that concept really is kind of something that has helped lead to the idea of people being like, oh well, you know, maybe Espada gets the manager job and Ross becomes the bench coach, and that kind of fits that role. I just, I, and again, I think this kind of goes along the lines with a lot of people's opinions. Is I don't see Ross leaving his special assistant job slash TV gig for bench coach. Well, I could be wrong. He might Agreed. love the Agreed. idea, you know, and we, I feel like there's a lot of, we don't know, right. We don't know what's going through the guy's head. Cause if he's like, wow, the dugout's really calling me, but I would learn a lot working with a guy like Joe Espada, if he'll have me and Joe Espada's like, well, shit, you know, you know, this guy knows a lot of these guys. Like you kind of your argument, he knows some of the guys from that 16 team. He's really good at talking to these players. You know, you heard the comments. I don't know if you guys got to read Patrick Mooney's article that he wrote, oh, probably about three or four weeks ago now, and maybe a little less than that, maybe like two and a half to three weeks ago. But he mentioned how Javier Baez directly called out David Ross as a player that he would go to in kind of that mentorship role. You know, so maybe Ross does find appeal out of that and, and would take a bench coach. Again, though, assuming Espada would even want him. And I again, that just... That makes us end up having to go down a bunch of rabbit holes, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, I don't think we want this to be a four-hour episode, although it probably could be <laughs> if we really wanted it to be. So, um, no, just something that I really wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on because I thought it was an interesting concept. Obviously, again, like you guys said, you know, kind of in concept, it makes a lot of sense, you know, but it's it's in execution. How is it going to work? And I, I agree. I think a lot of, you know, there would be a lot of managerial candidates that – even if they're good with the idea of working together and whatnot, still you as a manager, you want to be the guy that can make the decisions. And, and ultimately that kind of then comes back to the, well, then the second manager just becomes a glorified bench coach at that point, which I think is something that a David Ross could be an Excel at. But again, is that something he wants to do? And obviously something we don't know um, because we're not inside of his brain at the I moment. Just think I think it's so funny that, you know, bringing that up now, and obviously we're in 2019, going into 2020, you know, go back to 1961, 1962, the Cubs had the College of Coaches. You know, they, they had this concept where they had nine to ten managers that year. And I think it's funny that that same kind of concept is 
creeping back into this same franchise in terms of just talking around baseball and seeing if that's something that is legitimately worth investigating and if it would work. Like I said, I do think one team eventually in our lifetime, we will see it happen because it's, it's an idea that intrigues somebody to in the right situation, the right team in the right moment. I think it could work with that said, talking about this 2020 team coming up. I, the only two that would work would be David Ross and Joe Espada to me. And it just be really weird if he gets the job or one of them gets the job and they ask the other to become on this bench coach. You know, the only way it would work would be if Espada was the head coach and, you know, Ross was on the bench. I just think that that would just be a weird dynamic that I know maybe it it would throw some people off as well. And maybe that would kind of offset the dugout. Yep. Agreed. And I, and Mishler, I mean, you mentioned that too, and I I think you, you hammered that home as well. So no, that was uh, a great, great discussion uh, really on that. I think we all agree. uh, Joe Espada, I think is, we think, I shouldn't say, I think we think is the right move. Um, I think, uh, you know, as you guys have said as well, you know, a new voice, a new outside perspective, somebody that maybe doesn't have the blinders on from what this team has done in the last three years, you know, somebody who's going to bring a fresh perspective might bring a lot of good, helpful hints from a very successful organization like Houston. So uh, there's a lot of going off that. I want to add one more thing. Yeah, go for it. Because what you said reminded me of something that so Theo said in his press conference about falling into a winner's trap with the core, not dealing anybody because of what happened in the past and thinking that because of that success that happened in the past, they can reinvigorate it in the future or right now. I mean, how is that any different than hiring David Ross as your manager? If you're talking about how his voice was in the locker room in 2015 to 2017 that's falling into the same type of winner's trap about how much success they had in the past rather than looking at the qualifications of Joe Espada and David Ross and thinking how obvious it is how obvious it is that Joe Espada is more qualified and a better hire and it's it's really not even close so I just think if Theo really is going to sign David Ross I just have really big question marks about who's talking into his ear and giving him information that he's listening to because if he does hire David Ross it seems like an outward contradiction of what he just told the fan base what was that three months ago or three weeks ago yeah yeah, yeah. and, and I kind of want to pr- present a question kind of piggybacking off of that do you think that some of these players inside of this organization who are probably feeling pretty safe your Javi Baez is you know, your Anthony Rizzo's are in CO's ear saying, hey, man, this is what we want, and this is the route we'll go, and this is what we think we need to be successful. Personally, I don't. I think that's the wrong way to do business. These guys, have had, they had Joe Madden for the last couple of years, and they didn't get it done. That was your culture that you had in 2016. That was how you were supposed to get that done. My, my opinion on it, Theo needs to be the most stern one in that organization now to put his foot down and pretty much say, whoever's giving me this information on David Ross that is telling me that this is what needs to be my hire, go kick rocks, man, because like you said, Mishler, we had two two years in a row here, three years in a row here that we're, we're going over the fact that we could have been, we had the same team over, same culture. I'll tell you what changes culture, winning. And the Cubs haven't won since 2006, 16. 
And the problem with the one, they got too complacent. And like we said in this over and over and over again, we are beating a dead horse a little bit. Change the culture, hire Joe Espada, go that route. Because honestly, if you bring in Ross, like you said, you're just following the same thing you did over and over and over again. And that didn't work. Yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing. He should not be taking input from players. I think that's a ridiculous, like you were saying, that is not who should be giving him any type of insight at all. I think obviously he's got to listen to Ricketts because, you know, he's his boss. And then Jed Hoyer. And then, obviously, Jason McLeod, he's a trusted guy. But really, the, the room should be small. Yep, well said. Uh, I think, uh, you know, to Juice's point, I think we beat that pretty pretty well. I think there was a lot of good information in there for our listeners to digest. And really, even for me to digest, I really enjoyed listening to both of you guys, um, you know, voice your opinions on the matter. So transitioning a little bit, not totally pivoting off of the managerial talk, but, you know, I, I don't know if we'll have as much in depth. This is this feels like a one round maybe kind of answer, but you know what is more pressing? Uh, you know, and Juice, you kind of you know teased this a little bit earlier as well. You know, what is more pressing? Is it truly? Hey, we need the right manager in place to you know help this core win with again kind of those minor tinks like you mentioned, Juice, or is it is it time to bring in that fresh voice that? You know, if we do shake up the roster, and we being, if you know, we're Theo and Jed, if we do shake up the roster and trade maybe one or two pieces from this core, and I'm I'm going to say the core extends all the way out to guys like Albert Almora, guys that were were part of that first wave that won that championship. Because um, I don't think more than, and we'll get into this later, obviously, but I don't think more than one of the true core pieces would be moved if they do move one. Um, but then again, I, I think like a guy like Almora would be. So, you know, it really is, you know, what direction they want to take. And that, I think, increases, you know, how important the free agency period is. So that being said, what do you guys, you know, what do each of you think? And Juice, we'll let you start this time. Is it the free agency period that's really going to dictate the future of this team, no matter who's at the helm? Or is it really, do you have the right manager in place that, you know, whatever they do in free agency, whether it's huge, whether it's minor, it is still going to develop results. I think that there's, and this is probably not the answer that a Cub fan or anybody listening to this podcast is going to want. I truly believe that there's a route to, no matter who they hire managerial wise, that they're sitting at the top of the, the division. And because obviously, you know, as a Cubs fan, we've both talked about this for the last that 25 minutes, we, we have our guy. I, I think talking with about Joe Espada here, we've really kind of dove in the three of us. That's where we stand. I do think that there is a David Ross path that gets the Cubs back to the World Series. It's just a matter of, I, I don't know, Theo and company need to evaluate what's more difficult to do. Is it going to be more difficult for them to bring in high leverage free agents? You know, I mean, obviously we've looked at their rotation that's aging it needs to be addressed you know you've looked at their contact rate they need a leadoff hitter that was a real struggle last year you know the problem with placing what's more important they're both equally important and i think that all of it gets settled via who you hire manager wise because i think that the the problem with hiring david ross is i don't think that there's going to be much changeover with the core I don't think that I think you'll see them stand pat more and just tink and look to add. In regards to hiring a spotter, I think that they'll be more willing to add on and to 
to deal away maybe some of the guys who are considered into this core. And the problem with that is, is you know, it's not going to get settled until you have the guy at the helm. It's going to make it much easier for them to trade a Chris Bryant when they have a manager that is going left when Joe Madden used to go right. So I think that to, to kind of answer that question, they're both equally important, but I do think that the manager side of it will give us a, a look into what our off season will look like this year. Cause I personally think there won't be as many changes with David Ross as, as you would see with uh, Joe Espada. Yeah. Well said, Brian, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I really like what you said about, yes, we've all talked about Espada. We want him, but I do think, Either way they go, like you said, there is a path to them winning the NL Central and getting back to the World Series. And because of that reasoning, I think what they do in free agency is more important because even if they go with Espada or Ross, they can win either way. But if they go with wrong free agency acquisitions and make the same mistakes they have made in the past, that is what you can get into where they don't win the division and they lose a lot next year. But I, I think free agency is definitely more important. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I mean, I think you, you both have very good points. And, and really, in a lot of ways, I think both of you and, and Juice, I agree that they are very equally important. But, you know, really, you you mentioned that path, right, with whichever manager comes in, whether it is Ross, whether it is Espada. But if you bring that guy in and don't take that right path with that manager through free agency, that could just you that could you know screw you up just as much, right? So uh, I think sure. I, I do think there is a lot of a lot of weight on in free agency, but it, it it really does kind of feel like that situation of a uh, if this then this, and if they don't get the then this part of that right, <clears throat> then it doesn't matter what the if this part is, you know what I mean? So yeah, um, okay. Ron, that's actually a really good point. I wanted to butt in real quick. Yeah, go for it. But um, I do think what you're saying is true. That's why I think partly they kind of need to make the decision about who's going to be the manager now. Because, I mean, obviously they've looked at the free agent market and they've done their their due diligence already. But they haven't 100% been able to focus on it because of this manager decision. But like, like – you were saying earlier, I really think it's best if they go with his bottom now, but I mean, who knows what's going on in that room. And obviously I have to wait, wait for the Astros there to finish the world series. But I really do think if they continue to make the same mistakes as they have in the past with namely tired Tyler Chatwood, you really can't really think about Jose Quintana because he's been pretty bad ever since that decision was made to trade for him. So there's just been a lot of mistakes they've had in the past couple of years. And if they do that again with all the money they have in this free agency, and they actually have quite a lot coming off the books that nobody is talking about because of this free, because of this manager decision, that's all the media is focusing on right now. When if you actually look at their contracts, they have a lot of money to spend. And I understand a lot of that. I think even $25 million is going to have to be spent on tendering all their core through arb- arbitration. So they won't have too much money to spend. But, I mean, their entire bullpen is pretty much coming off the books. So how they spend that money will absolutely impact how they finish in the NL Central next year. Yeah. No. yeah just, just to build on that, and I know that we've, we've looked at C.O. Epstein you know, as this baseball legend, and he is. But the Achilles heel to, 
that Theo Epstein has always been for agency, and that that dates back to the Boston years too. Signing signing Kyle Carl Crawford, you know, and the, and since he's been a Cub here, you know, the U Darvish stuff starts to pay off at the end of last year, and you know, prior to that, Jason Hayward wasn't the the player that we thought we were getting back for the amount of money you're paying. That scares the heck out of me. I do trust Theo Epstein. Don't get me wrong. I just tend to take this pass to pass, you know, as Ron mentioned, because I do think that if they do hire Joe Espada, maybe they're able to get more intel of, of what's going on in Houston. And maybe that helps them make better decisions, you know, throughout free agency, or maybe that entices a Garrett Cole to come and play for Espada. Who knows what their relationship is like in the locker or in the locker room and in the dugout. And I think that's the move you make. And once you make that move, maybe you're set up a little better in their free agency period. Opposed to David Ross, you kind of know what you're getting. You're getting the, the guy who's good in the clubhouse, he manages well, but then you know at the end of it, you're getting nothing but Theo Epstein and his crew that are evaluating you know, the player's side of it, who's, who they're bringing in from free agency. I just think that in terms of from the dugout, I think that you, you're able to shore up more with a spot on your dugout via free agency than you would Ross. And I know that absolutely just tickled Brian's fancy, and we're going to get to that in a couple minutes when you mentioned Garrett Cole. Um, absolutely. I really <laughs> want him, but the problem is, and actually this is a good um, segue point, is I was actually going to write something about this next week, is would you rather see the Cubs spend almost their entirety of their free agent money on a guy like Garrett Cole or Strasburg? Or would you rather see them split that money into pieces and go after three or four guys to address more holes in their roster? And I think it's a really, really, really tough question to ask or a tough question to answer. I thousand percent agree. And that and you kind of kind of building on that on that point too. You know, if you we talked about arbitration money, some of that arbitration money might not be there because who knows who's still gonna be on this roster. They they could move a Chris Bryant. They could move a Javi Bias, who are going to require huge arbitration offers, qualifying offers. And then you have even more money to spend. So there's so many different doors to open here in this offseason that I think it's hard for us to do this show, honestly. I think it's hard for us to say, I want this guy, this guy, and this guy, because realistically, yes, they have a lot of money right now. They could have, you could have even more money come, you know, after the winter meetings when somebody's traded. That's just... You know, it's tough for us to do this show now, and it just kind of makes me laugh because, you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk guys we want, but you're right about that. Would you rather have three guys, or would you rather have that one guy that at the top of your rotation? Like I said, I just think it's tough for us to speculate what kind of money we'll actually have to spend. Agreed, and that's the fun of this show is we get to look back in two and a half months and be like, hmm, were we on point with our thoughts or not? And uh, I guess that's kind of the fun of it being kind of the burning questions episode, right? Is you know we're we're really trying to set up here for what what the rest of the off is going to bring because there is so much to to still happen and and to go on. So many moves to be made, obviously, all beginning with that managerial move as we mentioned. So. Um, Love what both of you said there. I think a ton of great points, and that I think is a really good time to start transitioning kind of into that off-season player wish list uh, discussion that we we wanted to have because, you know, I think that's kind of a good building question, and I kind of want to, you know, maybe factor that into your off-season player list a little bit of, you know, do you want to go out and spend the money on the big fish, or do you want to 
you know, build with three or four guys that are going to address other holes. So, uh, Brian, we'll let you lead this one off first. I think everybody deserves a good crack at this because I, I have a feeling that we're going to hear some names that might be similar, uh, but maybe not in the same order of, of you know, kind of desire or uh, – I guess maybe importance depending on how you look at it. So maybe give us, you know, three to five names. Uh, and again, de- depending on your approach, do you go all in for a guy like Garrett Cole? I know that's something that Brian is very interested in, or, you know, do you go all out or not go all out, excuse me, and go after those two or three guys. So Brian, go ahead and lead us off with the, the off season player wish list. Yeah. So actually, Upon reviewing that in my head, I really went back and forth because the Cubs do actually have a lot of holes throughout their roster that are very different. So then I kind of leaned back for them to get those three or four guys. But then I remember the reason why they won the World Series in 2016 is because they had historically good pitching. So I actually would rather see a guy like Garrett Cole or Strasburg as their ace and just yeah, they might have another another year where they're one of the worst teams in the league in contact rate. But, I mean, I would rather have a guy that is missing bats left and right, which Garrett Cole and Strasburg do. And, honestly, in, an air, in the air of the juice ball, that is more valuable now than it ever has been because if you're a high-contact pitcher and that ball is flying off the bat, that's how you give up bombs. But if you're striking people out, the juice ball is completely irrelevant in that situation. And when you have a, a th- one, two, three punch of hypothetically Garrett Cole, you Darvish, Kyle Hendricks. I mean, those are two of the best strikeout guys in the, in the entire MLB with you Darvish and Garrett Cole. So I lean on a guy like Garrett Cole or Strasburg as he opts out and putting all their money on the table and saying, here it is. I mean, obviously not all their money, but I mean, they're both going to require a massive contract. So it'd be upwards about 30, 30 million annually, to be honest. Yeah, that's a big, big contract that he's definitely going to get for sure. And no, I like, I like where your your thoughts are going with that. So, Juice, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. What are your, what is your wish list? Are you going the three to five man route, or are you going the one all in route? Well, I'd love to go the one man, all, all one man in. I feel like there may be a way to do both. I think there's a way that you're able to throw money at Garrett Cole and then go on the cheaper route, and maybe. Maybe you go out and you're able to find a leadoff hitter. Like it, it's 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 tough to sit here and say who's going to be available because obviously all these guys are looking at have buyouts, they have club options. It's tough to idea of who's going to be out there to be available. Yes, I would love Garrett Cole, but a pressing issue is something I I really hope that they're able to address. And this is the one guy that I thought that they should have addressed and picked up via trade last year was I really wanted Will Smith on the back of that uh, that bullpen, the left-hander. Really solid guy. Had a 1.2 wins above replacement as a reliever last year. Had a great year. I, I think that that's a guy that you could put back there. It's the one guy on my wish list that I'm like, please just go out and get. Other than that, I'm going to leave it to, you know, hopefully a Garrett Cole, bring in a leadoff hitter, and maybe that's how you're able to move some of these guys around and kind of change around culture. I know that Kyle Schwarber had a great year last year, but maybe this is the time to move him because I don't think that he's going to see that type of value either. And I think the problem with the Cubs is we're trying to find this leadoff hitter, but there aren't very many spots that logistically produce those. You know, I mean, you're not giving – there's not a right fielder out on this roster other than 
you know, obviously Jason Hayward, but he's not a leadoff hitter. So when you look around this lineup, it's tough because there's guys cemented in these spots for a while, and I just feel like in left field, it was a platoon. Then it was Kyle Schwarber because he was hitting so well at the end of the year. I think Kyle Schwarber is the guy that they're going to move that's going to pay me because he was, you know, near to my heart with what he did with the 2016 World Series. But maybe left field's a, a way that you can move some guys around and find a leadoff there. Or, you know, maybe it's second base. Maybe you're able to find a guy to, to, to slate over there that is able to lead off, get on base. I know we've talked about Whit Merrifield for forever, and I don't know if that's technically a possibility, but finding a trade partner like that that's going to solve that leadoff spot I think is more pressing than we've talked about because you go, we go, Dexter Fowler in 2016 was a huge reason why the Cubs lineup was so potent. And not setting the table for the guys in the middle like Baez and, and uh, Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, it sucks because those guys are just not table setters. And we've seen it time after time and again. I just think that the most pressing issue get. I would love to see Garrett Cole, but I think we're really overlooking the leadoff spot because in terms of, of what this lineup could do with guys on base and maybe a guy who could you know steal you a few bases and get that because the Cubs were essentially a softball team last year. Let's, let's get some guys who can run. Let's get some guys who can, you know, steal some swipes and bags. Let's be aggressive. Let's take extra bases. They were terrible at that last year. So let's 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 move it into that route. Let's have a table setter and let's let's see what we could do for those guys at three, four, five to produce. Yeah, that's a good point. I will say that everybody's so fixated on the rotation. The leadoff spot is as much of a hole as anything. And then I think another aspect of their atrocity this past year that nobody's talking about that I guarantee is a massive thing weakness that Theo and Jed are trying to cover up is their defense because if you're if you're talking about how many one run games they've lost how many of those would have been fixated and wins if the Cubs just played more better defense and were just better at preventing runs like it was just uncharacteristic how bad they were on defense yeah the they made a lot of mental mistakes, which I thought was a product of complacency. But they were playing a lot of guys out of position. And a lot of that was because they just did not have a single center fielder on the roster. And when you're playing Hayward in center field, where he's pretty average, then you got Castellanos, who's a, he's just really bad defensively. So, I mean, that's just, that's just, that's not a, a winning product. Even if, I just think they need to address that just as much as anything starting pitching I would even put defense above a leadoff spot but I mean all those three things are very important and need to be solved and I I've been thinking about this a lot for the past month or so I guess not month past couple weeks is because everybody loves Nicholas Castellanos because of how great of a culture guy he was the things he said to the media was awesome and he played amazing for the Cubs but I honestly I don't think the Cubs should sign him and I understand he's a high contact guy and that's what they need however he's going to be probably a little bit overvalued because of how great he was to end the season and I don't think like there's going to be massive regression next year once the NL adjusts like I mean nobody talks about this and obviously there's data at these teams disposals but the NL teams didn't they just didn't know really what type of hitter he was. And after he gets more plate appearances on the Cubs, they're going to get that data. They're going to know how to attack him. And he won't be as good. 
So I think he's going to be a little bit overvalued. And also, he's awful defensively. And if you're trying to cure a team that was really bad defensively all year, he's negative nine defensive runs saved, and that's fourth worst among any qualified outfielder in baseball. And if you're going to sign him, like that makes your that literally makes your defense worse. It does. You're going in the opposite direction where you need to be going defensively. I don't think they should sign him, but I mean, I'm sure 95 percent of the Cubs fan base would disagree with me on that. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, put this into a little bit of a spin cycle here because I think, I think personally, I, I again, I agree. I would love Garrett Cole. I'm, I'm not going to at all, you know, deny that. But realistically, I think. I really like the argument about a leadoff hitter. And, you know, I really think that position that they should attack the hardest is center field. Um, You know, and then kind of to an extent of that, you know, to Juice's point, what do you do? You decide to move on from Kyle Schwarber because I think I think them re-signing Castellanos is completely contingent on what they do with Schwarber. And yes, if, that if, is factual. If they move on from Schwarber, I think they bring in Castellanos. He's your everyday left fielder. Hayward adjusts back to his natural position where he's a gold glove right fielder, which is exactly what he should be doing. And then they have that ability, hopefully, then to go out and get that everyday center fielder. Now, do they think the everyday center fielder is Nico Horner? I don't know. Or is there a better guy out there that fills that void of being both a good center fielder and a leadoff hitter? I think Horner in a couple years could be that guy. I don't know if he is right now. And so I think that's certainly something they're going to attack. And then again, you make the argument that if Horner's not an everyday center fielder, but you think he's an everyday second baseman, then maybe he adjusts and does that for you. And he could kind of be one of those contact, steal a couple bags type guy, play good, good enough defensively to be a quality defender. But then you really have that glaring hole in center field. And they they really have struggled in center field ever since Dexter Fowler left. Was he a world beater defensively? No, but he did what he needed to do for that lineup in that leadoff position and was good enough defensively to, you know, be an everyday center fielder. So I think they really need to keep an eye on center field. I have very little knowledge as to what the center field market looks like this offseason. I don't think it's overwhelmingly strong by any means. There's no... There's nobody. That's that's the biggest problem. There's like there's no good center fielders out there that are coming off a free agency, and there was really nobody they could trade for at their trade deadline because all the good center fielders are on good teams. So it's yes, it's a huge problem for the Cubs. But I just besides internally, I have no idea what they're going to do. And I like what you said about Nico Horner because he's very fast, and I think it's very possible he makes that change in the off season. But I don't. I don't understand why nobody talks about Ian Happ being an everyday center fielder. I know he's not. I think I know he's just fast enough to be a good center fielder, but he's never going to make any amazing plays out there. But I mean, what is Albert Amora? He's one of the slowest center fielders straight on speed in the game. And he was touted as a good center fielder before this year where he was like, I want to say negative five defensive runs saved. I don't know. But he's I mean, Happ is just as fast as him. And he's been, what, plus plus one or plus two defensive runs saved in center field in his career. I, I just don't understand why people aren't talk, more talking about him because I think they should give him – I mean, this was kind of jumping into our next segment, but I think Haps as rawly talented as anybody on this roster, and I think they should give him 600 play, plate appearance next year and start him in center field. I really think he'll, he'll, he could end up being great because he's got – he can play literally six positions – 
And he's got raw power that a lot of these guys don't have. He works counts. Yes, he strikes out a lot. But, I mean, he's not going to be a Hall of Fame player or anything like that. But I just think Hap needs to be given more of an everyday position for going into next year. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate that argument at all. I, I think I think a lot of people have forgotten about Ian Happ and the shuffle. And I think that part of that reason could be just because I think a lot of people do think he might ultimately end up being traded. And to your point, that's you know something we're gonna kinda gonna touch on here um, you know, in just a second. But yeah, I mean it's 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 certainly an idea. I think the key for this team though is they have so many guys that have that raw power and you know, it's it's really just gonna be you know, finding a guy. And I would, I would, you know what? I wouldn't be mad if they explored the trade route for a center fielder, you know, uh, a guy that I've loved forever and ever. And I know he's not going to get traded to the Cubs. So uh, this is just me tickling my fancy at this point, but a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer would be incredible in a Cubs uniform. And, you know, you want to talk about a stud center fielder, the guy won a platinum glove, you know, just, two, three years ago, you know, his biggest concern obviously has been health. I think some of that has to do with that field that they play on down there at Tropicana, you know, but, you know, just imagine him roaming the outfield, you know, you have him and Hayward as your center and right fielders defensively. It doesn't matter who the hell you put in left field. You've got two of the best, you know, gloves in the game and in, in, in that outfield. And he kind of checks all those boxes. He is fast. He can steal bags. He can't hit for, you know, for, for average. He's, he had a little bit of a rough year average-wise early on. And overall, that kind of sunk his average for the season. But, you know, just somebody like that would be so nice. And, and to your point, though, he's on a good team, a raised team that made the playoffs. And it's just like, you know, they're probably not going to trade him. And he's also on a club-friendly contract. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be certainly interesting. Theo's got a lot of work to do, uh, but I agree. I think center field, the only way that can improve that position is via a trade because uh, Mishler, as you mentioned, there's literally nobody on the market. Everybody on the market right now that's really worth a damn are all corner outfielders. So uh, it'll be certainly something to keep an eye on. But I think uh, to your point, that that is a good time to, to transition here uh, into the idea of who, you know, we said initially who who we think they might trade from the roster, who we think they should trade from the roster. I'm going to go ahead and open it up a little more and say, you know, maybe one or two guys in each category, one ideally, but if you got two, let's do it. You know, one guy you think the Cubs will trade away and maybe one guy you would like to see the Cubs trade for. I think that'll make this really interesting. Uh, Brian, I think we let you lead off last time. So, Juice, I'm going to let you uh, lead this one off first. So, I've been kicking this around with some buddies in a group chat. What is, and this is this may be tinfoil hat, maybe not possible. Obviously, the Cubs are in the spot with Chris Bryant that I don't know if Chris Bryant's going to be around very much longer in a Cubs uniform. And looking on the East Coast, it seems as if Mookie Betts is in that same round. So what if the Cubs went to Boston straight up, Mookie Betts, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant then could play left field in, in Boston, and that maybe solves one of the left field positions. Maybe then you move on from Schwarber after that. It's an idea. It's something I went back and forth with some friends. It kind of checks out a little bit. At that point, then you extend Mookie Betts, obviously, because and then you're getting younger while giving up Chris Bryant, not really losing much production on that. So it's, it's something to look at. I know that that's probably not going to happen, but it is an intriguing trade, I think, for both teams to look at because you're not giving up too much and maybe, in a, in a sense, 
you know, Boston maybe wants to hang on to Chris Bryant a little longer. And uh, he's got the two years of control. I think Mookie Betts does as well. But just to dive into that, that was a trade that we kind of talked about in our group chat, kind of just going over the numbers kind of would maybe somewhat work out. But um, that was some that was one guy that I really kind of wanted to see in a Cubs uniform. I like Mookie Betts a lot. He's a great player. Younger, I think that that's maybe a trade that if they were able to do that and throw in maybe a pro, maybe the Cubs have to throw in a prospect or two to make that happen. But I think that that kind of would work out for both sides. It's certainly an interesting trade idea. Uh, yeah. Brian, go ahead. I mean, I've actually been seeing that too about Mookie Betts, and I just I don't understand why Boston wants to get rid of him. I mean, I don't know the backstory behind it. I don't really follow the Red Sox that much, especially this year because they weren't very good. I just I don't understand why they – want to get rid of him do you do either of you guys actually know the backstory on that because i have no i think clue. it's a lot of well boston has a lot of the payroll issues as well i think they're trying to get underneath that threshold so i think that was a lot to do with it chris bryant obviously still has two years arbitration maybe that gets them out of the uh out of the hell of the woods for the next year and then they're able to maybe once the money comes off the books extend chris bryant okay okay so yeah that makes sense i mean i I mean, if it's for a player like that, I guess it makes sense, especially if Bryant is refusing to extend because if he wants to go to the free agent market, then the Cubs may want to do something. I just I, I push back on a lot of the Chris Bryant trade talks because, I mean, I don't think there's anything he doesn't do really well. The one thing that you can really be highly critical of him is he's always freaking injured, and that is a huge red flag. I will admit that. I mean, this year he had a knee injury. The year before he has a shoulder injury. He, he's just not a healthy guy. And, I mean, that is a very persuasive argument to build upon about how you should trade him. However, I mean, he's a great base runner. He can play four positions. He was actually un, uncharacteristically horrible at third base this year in terms of defense. But I think that was more of an anomaly than what it could be if he plays there more on an everyday basis. But, I mean, if you look at his stats, I mean, obviously he hasn't been as good since 2016, but he's still a hell of a player. And I just don't like trading him. But, I mean, if he refuses again to extend, like I said, you kind of have to explore every option. I really think the only two untouchables on the Cubs' entire roster is Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez. And I think it's fairly obvious because you can't get rid of Baez because he's one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. And... He's just got so many different intangibles that everybody in baseball loves and you can gravitate around. And then Rizzo actually had one of the best years of his career this past year. And as far as if there's anybody in a leader in that clubhouse, it's him. And going off that, I think one guy they should actually trade. And it's not really a popular talking point, but I think it needs to be Wilson Contreras. And I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think... He's not, I mean, I understand he made some adjustments at the second half of the year and was way better at framing pitches. And honestly, if that's something that he can sustain, maybe don't trade him because if he can turn into even a league average framer, he is so much better there behind the plate and it helps the pitching staff so much. But I don't know if that's sustainable and I think it might have been a little bit of an aberration. Not only that, you have Victor Caratini. What they should do is trade Contreras to address holes in other parts of the roster. Like you're saying, Ron, you could trade 
Wilson Contreras to Tampa Bay to potentially get, I can't even pronounce that man's last name, but that, that solves your center field issue right there. You could get a couple other guys that solve pervasive holes in the roster. And I, I just think there's a lot more you could do because you can't have those two good of catchers on your team. Caratini's way too good to be a backup catcher. So start him, trade Contreras, and then you have a better overall team. And it's better than just having two of the 10 best catchers in baseball. And not only that, you have Miguel Amaya, who's one of the best or the best prospect of the Cubs so far, are in the Cubs pipeline farm list system. Consensus, like top 80 to top 100 prospects. I know he's not going to be in the Cubs next year, but maybe in 2020 or as early as 2021. And I just think, and on top of that, Wilson Contreras is always injured. I mean, I was, I think I wanted him to move to right field or left field in the middle of the year, but I just, I, I don't think the Cubs are going to do that. So I think he's either the catcher or they get rid of him. And a lot of people push back because he's a fan favorite, but I honestly think there are so many reasons that it makes sense that I think they should really do it. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah. Brian, I, I know, you know, I've, you and I have had that discussion. Uh, I believe it was on uh, either NS nine or it might've been a Cubs on tap episode. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's certainly an interesting thought. Don't tease me though about getting Kevin Kiermeyer like that. You're gonna, you're gonna get me a little too excited for tonight's episode. Uh, again, I, and and I know, you know, people are probably like, well, where the hell did he come out of Kevin Kiermeyer as a name? The Rays are like the second team that I follow because I have family in Tampa. So I've followed, I've followed the Rays since they were the Devil Rays, ladies and gentlemen. I remember the days when Rocco Baldelli, Carl Crawford, and BJ Upton were the only things good on that roster. Uh, so it's, you know, it's been a while. And, and Kiermaier is an exceptional talent. But, you know, I don't think that's a terrible thought because, again, something you have to consider too with Contreras is, you know, and, and forgive me if you've mentioned this already, I, you know, but his his injury history a little bit too is something that comes into play, and he's older. You know, a lot of people forget because he did come up so late. And no, I say late. I mean, he's still young. He's only what twenty six, twenty seven. I um, think he's twenty eight or twenty nine, Ron. He is, is he? old. Yes. Well, there you go. Nah, he's, tw- he's twenty eight because he twenty eight. He hits arbitration in twenty twenty two, and he'll be thirty one at that point. So yeah, he's twenty eight. Okay, so he's yeah, so he's twenty eight. And yeah, I mean he's he's certainly an older piece of this team. Twenty-seven. I mean, Twenty-seven. Okay, he'll probably be. Will he be twenty-eight when he starts the the next season? Yeah. Okay, so he'll be twenty-eight when, at the start of next season, and you know, obviously that's not old by any stretch of imagination. It's older, obviously, compared to a lot of the players on this team because of guys like Baez being young still. Even Bryant is still you know fairly young after playing four years of college ball. You know, Rizzo's been around forever and he's, you know, still under 30, you know, but with catchers, especially it's like running backs in the NFL, you know, these guys get closer and closer to 30. And unless you are an absolute fiend defensively, a lot of times you start to fizzle out or if you're Mike Piazza, but obviously I'm not equating Contreras to Piazza at this point, especially on the defensive side of things, but you know, you have to think between the injuries and the, the just the amount of wear and tear on his body that at some point that's going to start to give out where maybe in five years from now, you really can't count on him being even a shell of himself that he is right now. So maybe do you exploit that idea of trading him away and getting some uh, some value uh, out of him for a guy, let's say, like a Kevin Kiermaier that can address a lot of, of needs and play center field? 
Juice, I want to hear your your thoughts on the idea, and then I will go ahead and, and think about uh, my trade uh, ideas uh, to differentiate a little bit for you guys, uh, as I think I will differentiate. But go ahead. You guys want me to talk about Wilson Contreras? Yeah, what are your thoughts on, on the idea of him possibly getting traded? Do you think it's a possibility? I, Do you hate it? Do you I, love it? I thought... I thought it was kind of funny at the end of the end of your presser when Theo kind of snuck in that, Hey, Wilson got better at pitch framing uh, type thing at the end there. It was almost like he was almost waiting for somebody to ask him a question about Wilson. So he can say, and that's almost like, you know, when you go and you buy a car, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, this is all wheel drive. It's got all wheel drive. It's fully loaded. Any pitch frames, you know what I mean? It's almost like he was going out to all 30, whatever teams and saying, Hey, you know, look, my guy can pitch frame now. Not only is he going to hit 280 and he's a 30 home run guy and MVP guy, but look, the one thing he didn't do well, he can now do well. It was almost like, it's almost like a sell to me. It was, it was, it was really used car salesman about it. And that's my thoughts on it. Do I think he's going to be traded? I think that in that terms, it depends on how much they believe in Victor care team. Cause looking at, obviously we talked about the center field position catcher wise too. To me, there isn't a name that jumps off of this free agency list that I go, wow, I need that guy. And obviously, we've talked about, you know, um, Miguel Amaya, but he's probably not ready yet either. Um, they would have to really roll with Vic for a while. And while he did do well playing sparingly, I just I don't know if that's the route they're going to go. But it was just funny to me that that whole press conference, he was waiting for Wilson Contreras to be brought up. That way he could drop that in. And if you were to tell me that he was going to be traded this offseason and, you know, crystal ball, be able to look in and I wouldn't be so surprised because like we talked about, it makes a lot of sense. You know, maybe you're able to store up, you know, shore up some of the, the positions that are really kind of causing you, you know, a pain in the neck for realistically, I mean, Wilson Contreras, I love him. He's going to drive in a lot of runs for you, but I mean, you could, you could put a catcher at the bottom of the lineup. A lot of these NL teams do it that way. And, like I said, maybe you bring in a better pitch framer, a guy who you know can buy you a strike, and especially if the Cubs don't go out and get guys who can miss bats, I especially expect Wilson Contreras to you know go away, or they're going to have him really working on how to fix the pitch framing because if they don't get guys who miss bats, the guys that are on the roster now and the guys they're going to get you know contribution out of aren't really guys who are going to miss them, so they're going to have to buy a lot of strikes. Yeah, well said. I like I like that thought process. Brian, do you have a, a quick add in there? Uh, I mean, not nothing more about that. I will say, I know we've mentioned this a little bit, but I do like, I, I do think they might get rid of Schwarber, and it's because he generated some a really uptick in market value, and it's something that I don't know if it's 100% sustainable. So you're essentially selling high on him this offseason, which I think is a very prudent thing to do if you're an organization. And I just don't think what he did in the second half, if he'll ever be that good again. Now, if they make the trade and he turns out to be one of the best guys at the core, I mean, at some point, Theo, like he said, he can't be, he's got to make a tough decision on one of these core guys that he's probably grown to really like personally. But I think it's got to happen, and I—I I mean, like you said, if they—if if they keep Schwarber, they will not. They can't sign Castellanos. But if they 
they if they trade Schwarber, I think they will. So yeah, I think those are the two biggest pieces of the of the puzzle is, is what they do with Kyle Schwarber because it dictates really where where Hayward can play, where Cassianos can play, where Hat plays. Like it just dictates so many other things on this roster. Yep. No, well said, and and that's actually kind of where I was going to go with my one player. I think will be traded. Uh, I, let me be frank. I think we all know. I'm pretty sure Albert Almore is probably not going to be a Cub next year. Um, there's a chance that Ian Hat maybe isn't a Cub. I, I think that's kind of up in the air. I think it again. I think it really depends on kind of what they do with. And I I think it is Kyle Schwarber because you know again, do you sell high? Because you sell high on a guy like him, you can trade him to an AL club who goes, oh, we can DH him every other day. Oh, we could play him potentially at first base. He's athletic enough. You know, they somebody could convert him to a first baseman if they don't want to use him in the outfield. He just never can do that in Chicago as long as Anthony Rizzo's around. So, you know, I mean, ultimately, I think he would probably end up playing more outfield anyway. But, you know, you go, you know, he gets sent to an AL team and all of a sudden he can be a DH for 80 games out of the year. And, you know. You can you can play him in matchups if you're deep enough as a team, or if, if you just want him out there every day, you can put him out there every day as a professional hitter. And uh, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of what you guys said was good with him because he he is such a high upside player of this core right now. That if you're gonna move him, you know he's really the only one outside of the knee injury that he had who has really not missed any substantial time, right? You know, Bryant missed time. Baez's last year was a little bit of a fluke outside of that. Baez has been pretty healthy. You know, but Rizzo misses time with that back. Um, you know, Wilson has missed time with various injuries. You know, really, Schwarber's been the one that you could say, hey, look, not only is he, you know, a whatever, you know, in terms of a hitter, He's also been healthy, and he has a track record of being healthy. So I think he's going to be probably the one that ultimately gets dealt, um, you know, I, I just, again, because of the value. But uh, from a player that I think they should trade for, this is a very tough one. Um, but you know what? I, I I know I mentioned him already, but I would really like Kevin Kiermeyer in the Cubs uniform. I think he fills, he fills so many needs. And, you know, it – it's probably not going to happen. I'll just go out and throw that disclaimer on it right now because, you know, they are a playoff team. And unless all of a sudden they think he's beginning to regress or something, I don't think they have any desire to trade him because he was a platinum Gove winner, uh, you know, just a few years ago. And is as long as he plays most of the season is a gold glove candidate year in and year out in center field, um, you know, but he, he, he would address so many needs. You know, he, he addresses the base still ability. He has great speed. He can hit for contact. He can hit for some power, too. And he could be a nice leadoff hitter. I think, you know, a guy like him would be great and probably not going to happen. But, you know, I, I do really think that the trade, that if there is one trade made this offseason, they have to look somehow at bringing in a at least very good, if not elite, center fielder. Because you need somebody who can play good defensively, you know. And even if he's not a huge power guy, I feel like at this point that's okay. You know, if he hits 11 home runs, 12 home runs as a leadoff hitter all year, fine. I don't care. If he's getting on base, you know, 40% of the time, oh, that's a little ridiculous. But, you know, maybe he's getting at base, you know, at a 350 clip or a 380 clip or whatever. And he's getting on, he's stealing bags, and he's he's in, you know, scoring position for your run producers that this lineup is 
mostly comprised of, if you really look at it, are guys that have that run-producing ability. You know, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, you know, Contreras if he stays, Schwarber if he stays, Castellanos if he comes back, you know, what have you. All those guys have that trait in common, so you need those type of guys. That's why I think Nico Horner is going to be an important piece of this team next year because I think he can be one of those guys that gets on base ahead of your, you know, big guns. Maybe he becomes your really nice number two hitter behind a guy who is a true leadoff guy. And all, all of a sudden, you've got two of these really good you know, on-base players with some speed and some ability that are getting on for Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, you know, for them to come up and, you know, even Caratini, you know, we saw what he did when he was actually playing in a starting role, like you mentioned, Brian, and, and you know, he was, he was really good. All of a sudden, these guys are coming up with men on base every single time. And Chris Bryant having a, you know, nearly 30 home run, or did he hit 30 this year? I, it's been so long since I've looked at statistics, I feel bad. But, you know, he had so many home runs this year, and that RBI total was so low because literally nobody was ever on base. So, you know, all of a sudden he's hitting in the three-hole with two men on, you know, that 60 or however many RBIs. I'm pulling up his numbers right now because I feel like a nincompoop. Yeah, he had, he had 77 RBIs. 31 home runs. Realistically, if you have a guy that is a true leadoff hitter and he's in your three hole and Horner in the two hole and they're getting on base, even if he has the 31 home runs again, that RBI number is probably closer to 100. Maybe it's even over 100 because, you know, Chris Bryant does hit doubles and he did hit 282 this season. So I just, you know, I think that has to be what they do with the trade. I would like Kiermeyer. I don't think that's going to necessarily happen, but I just. Oh, I just really hope they get a center fielder because I feel like if they can get a center fielder and Brian, this is something, you know, that you and I discussed often on Cubs on tap this season was, you know, God, they're so bad in center. So now Hayward's playing out of position, which affects everything defensively. You get that center field cog in place and you sure up the middle of your field all the way around Baez, if it is Horner at second and a good center fielder. Now everybody kind of shifts back into their proper positions everywhere else and you have guys back in position, and that defense becomes better, and hopefully your record becomes better and you make the playoffs. So that is my opinion on the matter. I don't know if you guys have any comments on that. Um, yeah, but. yeah, I, I can't wait for the Cub and Kiermaier, um fan club that's led by Ron Luce. I'll say that. I, <laughs> I love him in a Cub uniform, too. That way we can make those shirts for on tap. Cub and Kiermaier would be great. Well, we'll put one in. Ron, every Cub game you go to, we'll put you in one of those. And uh, you got to sit in center field in the bleachers there and, and talk to your boy. But I'm with Deal. you on that. I, in, you know, I think that we've pretty much talked about every single scenario. And I know it's, it's funny because every scenario that we came up with is probably not going to be the one that happens. But with that said, we've identified where the Cubs need to get better. And like we said, defensively pitching and uh, at the top of the lineup definitely is something that we need to look at. Obviously, the bullpen was here nor there and that's going to be addressed because like we talked about it's it's going to be a rotating chair because a lot of these guys contracts is up so like i said i i really hope that co for the first time in a long time is able to hit on free agency because if that's the route that they're going and they're not able to you know move some of these guys for the pieces that they want via the core you could really overpay in free agency and we've seen it time and time again from theo epstein i that you know he has the the tools to get it done and but the track record for his free agency run is just not good and 
if that's what they're resorted to, I do fear a little bit as a Cub fan as much as I trust them. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I'll happily go and sit in center field in every Cubs Bleachers game. I, I love sitting in the Bleachers, so uh, that would not be a, a terrible ask for me, and I'll wear the T-shirt and I'll cheer on Kevin Kiermeyer as if I'm his personal cheerleader. I got no problem with that at all. Cubin, so. Ron. It's, it's, it's not Kevin anymore. It's Cubin Kiermeyer. Cubin. Cubin Kiermeyer. Here we go. Um, Brian, any 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 thoughts on uh, on anything that has been said? I know we've we've really it's I'm actually a little surprised at how kind of in sync we've been tonight. Again, we haven't chatted really deeply in you know, probably a month now and uh you know, sometimes you know, for some of us even longer than that. So the fact that we're all kind of on the same wavelength is kind of uh kind of interesting. I feel, uh, kind of I feel like that me. also makes it means that the holes in the roster were just that obvious, to be honest. True. And we all know what needs to be done. But one more thing I wanted to um, say is I, I also think Addison Russell is going to be dealt. I mean, he's a guy where you're just you're basically selling low at this point. But, like, what else are you going to do? I mean, I, I even defended him a lot during the year because – he got a lot of bad rap for his off-season or off-field issues that weren't really indicative of what he was doing on the field. Having said that, if you're trying to if you're trying to overhaul the culture, you can't you can't have that type of distraction in your locker room. And I do think he could be a very valuable defensive replacement and middle infield depth. But I just think they can go other avenues, either through trade or free agency to, uh, to solve that. So I think they're going to get rid of them in an effort to clean house and invigorate a culture. But I also don't think they're going to trade Albert Almora for the simple fact that you couldn't get anything for him right now. Like what, <laughs> what, what MLB team would want him on their roster and give up anything, anything like, I don't even think he's worth a mid-level prospect. I mean, why would you give up any, like he's, at best, your fourth outfielder. At the very best, probably your fifth. So, I, I just think you're selling very, very, very low on him right now. I don't think that makes much sense. I understand you can't really rationalize that he's a first round draft pick because, like, at this point, who the hell cares about that? But I mean, I do think if he can figure out how to get more loft, and I don't know. I mean, he has so many weaknesses. That I'm just not even going to go down that road. But I think they should just hold on to him, I guess, pray that he figures it out because I just don't think you can get anything for him. So I don't think you see the point in trading for him. Fair. No, well said. I, I, I mean, so much good, uh, good cubbies talk here. Um, as the, as this episode has gone on, as we're approaching the hour and 20 mark. So nicely done gentlemen. Um, so I think with that being said, we'll, uh, we'll transition to just kind of the final thing, uh, closing thoughts. I think this is you know always a fun time in the show on any show that we do here at on tap, just kind of your, your last minute thoughts, you know, maybe something you, we discussed that you want to kind of add on to something that's kind of burning into your brain. Um, you know, whatever it is, something about the Cubs right now, obviously they're setting up for a huge run and, and I'll kind of preface that with, with our, our outro, but you know, gentlemen, any any closing thoughts, Brian? I'll let you go ahead and, and uh, take the mic first on that. Yeah, just one thing I wanted to uh, talk about to close the show out is I just want Cubs fans. Uh, I mean, I, under, I understand what you said, Kyle, about Theo's track record with free agency is not that great, but I mean, there's really not that many executives in the MLB that I would put 
or essentially blindly put my faith in than Theo Epstein. I know there's a lot of new guys in the Rays, I mean, the Astros, and a bunch of different organizations that are now, you could argue, have been successful, but Theo's a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame GM slash president, and I just think I want him making the decisions in the room, but what worries me is he's getting some input from people he probably shouldn't be. But that's just really my final closing remark. I, I've seen so throughout, pervasively throughout the feeds the past month of how much hate he's been getting and how people are backing Joe Madden and saying Theo should get fired. I just think that's absolutely absurd. The track record he's had with the Cubs brought them the World Series. Probably more had to do with that World Series. It's not probably. He did have more to do with that series and that World Series win than anybody in the world, actually. So I think Cubs fans should trust him, and I think he's going to do a good job. Don't necessarily think that's going to result in another World Series before he leaves, if that happens. I mean, winning a World Series is hard, even if the Cubs are to win 100 and three games again, but I just think you got to trust Theo, and that's the final thing I'll, I'll say. Juice, man. Let me hear him. Yeah, I'll agree with you, Brian. I, I do. I, I love Theo Epstein. I think he's a, he's a great executive. Like you said, he's Hall of Fame. He's a legend. He'll be a legend in this town. But all the legends in this town, minus Michael Jordan, Jonathan Taves, and Patrick Kane, they only won one championship. You're Mike Dick because you're, you're Joe Madden. They're they're, you're looking at a, at a guy who only – you're Isaac Ian from the South Side. You're looking at a guy who only won one championship here in Chicago. Like we said, going into this, probably the most important offseason uh, of our lives in, in terms of the Cubs. In this this window, they are no better positioned now than, than they have been in a while. When you're looking at in terms of the assets that they have to trade, the wantable assets as well, and the money coming off the books, to me, there is no reason to fail. And if Theo wants to be in the likes of, of Jordan and Kane and Taves winning multiple championships here in Chicago, make it happen. You know, go out there, do the due diligence, do the work, uh, sabermetrics, hire the right manager, bring the right guys in. And trust me, I understand he's got all the he's got all the information in the world and all the, the attributes to do it. And I, I have full faith that he's going to because. He's a, he's a damn good general manager and base, president of baseball operations. But with that said, it, you're one bad contract away from putting yourself in the same spot as you did. You know, 2015, Jason Hayward, you know, moving on. You can, you can name the contracts over and over. I just wish and I hope that he's more active in, in acquisitions via trade. In free agency, he's smarter. Maybe he's only making one or two free agent signs, three, four, five, you know, but they're able to move guys from this core to plug up holes while having a plan in free agency to execute and get better as a team. Like I said, I do. I have full trust in him. He brought me a World Series, and he is a legend. But with that said, it's time to put up and shut up for 2020, and there's no excuses. You fired Joe Madden. You cut the cord on that. Everybody's looking at you now. So big gamers show up, make big plays. So do GMs. That's my that's my closing remarks on that. Go Cubs, because honestly, if they don't get better, we're screwed in terms of Chicago sports because the Bulls are a couple years away, the Bears are stuck, and they're stuck with Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, Blackhawks getting a little better. White Sox, that's, that's not my forte. They're, they're on the up and up, but who knows with, you know, short, short arms Jerry reaching into his pockets. But we'll have nothing to watch for a very long time if uh, 
we can't figure this out on the north side. Yeah, well said. I think both of you nailed it on the head. Uh, that's going to be the key for really all fans this offseason is just trust what, what Theo and the rest of that front office have together. I think they really, you know, you you saw Theo admitting to their mistakes and, and kind of having that realization during his press conference of, you know, we, we can't just rely on this core that we've been kind of stubborn with and we need to do something to improve this team and we can't just, you know, kind of rest on our, you know, on our laurels and, and assume that this team is going to do what they did in 2016. We got to continually get better. We got to continually make the right move in order to you know make sure this team is is competitive like you guys said in 2020 and hopefully beyond um you know no matter who's at the helm and it's it's going to be a very important offseason uh for the chicago cubs so i think you guys uh, nailed it on the head there so well said well uh that's you know kind of my closing thought as well so just want to remind all of our great listeners to check us out at the ONTAP Sports Network. We are the best home for all of your literature and podcasting, needs, wants, and desires about your favorite Chicago sports teams. We have arguably some of the greatest Cubs coverage um, in the in the land, uh, as you're listening to some of that right now with uh, my guys Brian and Juice. And, uh, you know, we got great coverage everywhere else. You know, the Bears guys are very upset, as you mentioned, Juice, about Mitch Trubisky. And you can go here, you know, hear them complain and yell about, um, you know, the current quarterback of the Chicago Bears over at Bears on Tap. Uh, we have great coverage of the winter sports. Juice, I'm sure we'll hear your voice a little bit in the Bulls arena, uh, as you and uh, you and Buzz will be doing some stuff over there as well as Bulls scripted. Uh, that's with Bulls on Tap. Uh, Blackhawks on Tap and the Four Feathers podcast is in full swing. Uh, I get the lovely pleasure of being a part of that with Johnny Nani and Tony Marchese and Patty Comiskey. Um, as I'm actually, I've had the Blackhawks on game on in the background as we've been recording this on that because uh, it is hockey season. So check us out over there as well. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't want to talk about them. We don't like to talk about them, but we will tell you because we know every Cubs fan has a friend that is a White Sox fan. Uh, we have some of the best White Sox coverage as well around. So please make sure you check us out. You can find us on the interwebs at www.ontapsportsnet.com. You can also find us on all social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at ONTAP Sportsnet. The ONTAP Sports Network. Go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for jumping on tonight and this Cubs on Tap and joining me. Uh, Juice, a pleasure to get to talk to you again, buddy. We, we look forward to hearing your voice more and more on the on the Cubs coverage throughout the offseason and into 2020. Uh, Brian, same thing with you. Obviously, you've been you know very vocal. Your, your articles are always awesome, uh, and we hope our, our listeners go and read those. Um, because you, you know, you always present really good thought, well thought out, you know, points of argument and always have great stats to back it. So gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. And without further ado, uh, we got a busy, busy, busy off season as Cubs fans to, uh, see what Theo does. So, uh, I know I'm just as excited as anybody else to see what happens from now until, you know, about February or March when, uh, when pitchers and catchers begin to report and spring training is in full swing. So Gentlemen, without further ado, let's go Cubbies. Go Cubs. Good show. Go Cubs, go. <laughs> <laughs>